Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Our youngest and smallest humans are the most vulnerable when it comes to extreme weather. And Australian summers can get very hot. Sarah Hunstead is the director of CPR Kids and she's a former emergency paediatric nurse. She's here to tell us how to protect our children from extreme heat. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Hello. I'm well. What's the number one thing we have to keep on top of with small children in hot weather? Dehydration, dehydration, and then dehydration. <laughs> so what does dehydration look like? Let's start with a baby. Okay. In a baby, I should say. It's really interesting. Well, kids, they generally can't tell us that they're thirsty. So with the babies, of course, they can't tell us that they're thirsty. But what there are signs and symptoms you may notice if they do start to get dehydrated. So you may notice that their lips and the inside of their mouth isn't moist and drooling like they normally are, that it's starting to look a little bit drier or their tongue starts to become coated. You may notice that they are sleepier than usual or certainly that in the extremes they may become floppy and then of course unconscious as well but then we get into the extremes there the signs and symptoms that you'll tend to notice beforehand apart from that dry kind of we call them mucous membranes the, you know the mouth the lips all that kind of stuff if they're crying you may notice that they don't have any tears they're eyes can look quite sunken and the fontanelle, that little soft spot on the top of the head that can become sunken as well and in extreme cases you may notice that their skin starts to tent. And what I mean by that is if you pick up the skin on your arm and pinch it, you'll notice that it immediately goes back to as it is. But if you did that on a child who's extremely dehydrated, the skin kind of stays together in a tent like that. And that certainly is a very concerning sign. And what about with, say, toddlers? So it's generally the kind of the same thing. They may be more irritable than usual. They're lethargic. They're starting to get floppy. They've got those dry mucous membranes when they're crying. They don't have the tears there. Obviously, the fontanelle isn't going to be something that we're looking for there. But you may notice as well that they're just not weighing as much too, and particularly with a baby too, that they've got less wet nappies than usual. And what will often happen is when they start to become dehydrated, our brains are incredibly they actually will make us more thirsty. So at first, your child might be asking for more drinks if they're a toddler or they may, you may notice they're drinking more. But eventually, if they're not getting enough in, they become so tired that the opposite happens and they just end up refusing to drink because they just don't have the energy. Okay, so these are all the worst case scenarios and what we're trying to do is avoid those. So we know obviously when it's hot and it's a hot day. Um, should we also make the assumption that um, children will feel the heat differently to us? Because Absolutely. there are other times when it's worse for kids than adults. Right? Yeah, that's right. So particularly young babies, they can't uh, thermoregulate, so they can't control their body temperature like we can. I mean, geez, when it's 40 degrees outside there, we can strip off, we can sit on the couch in our undies and have the fan coming you know, towards <laughs> us, have a you know a nice cold pina colada in one hand. <laughs> I like where you're going with this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can control all of this, but they don't have that control. But we can help control their environment. So things we can do, particularly for babies, we can just either have them in a nappy inside if it's hot or just some loose, comfortable clothing. Consider how you're feeling. 
And, you know, if you're, you know, walking around in your undies and you're still hot, then probably best to have them in a nappy as well. Considering the the environment in your home, shutting the curtains, all that kind of stuff to keep the area cool, having fans going. Obviously, if your child's going down for a nap in their cot, don't face the fan directly to the cot, blasting, you know, Arctic wind onto your <laughs> child. That's certainly not going to, uh, we don't want them shivering and creating more heat with their muscles. The idea is to cool them down. So have the fan just circulating air around the room. If you You've got air conditioning. Don't put it on, you know, 10. <laughs> no, no one likes 10. Too cold. Too oh, cold. Way too cold. Yeah, keep it, you know, in the in the low to mid-20s. So, you know, within the 22, 24, somewhere around there. And also considering this is one thing that I didn't really think about until I had my own kids. Sometimes it's unavoidable. You have to go outside in hot weather. If you can, stay at home. Go to the shops if you have to in the nice cool area. But sometimes if you've got school pickup for a sibling or something like that, you need to take a young baby out. But don't completely cover up the pram because those prams can reach, you know, I've seen some studies that have said that they go up to 15 degrees higher inside wow. the pram when you tightly tie on that muslin wrap or that towel over the front because you want to protect your kid from the sun. Make sure there is plenty of air circulation. Wow. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. And also, um, I guess you're offering them water as much. I mean, not babies. Toddlers, you're offering more waters, water. With babies, should you be trying to breastfeed more? Absolutely. So this is probably something that you need to remember for yourself and for your baby. You need to keep hydrated because if you are breastfeeding your baby, you do need to give them frequent breastfeed. So yes, particularly babies under six months in the really hot weather, offer them the breast more frequently. Make sure that you stay really hydrated because otherwise you're just giving your child everything that you need as well. And babies over the age of six months, you can offer them in between feeds extra cooled boiled water as well. That's certainly an option over six months. And just toddlers can be busy. I don't know about you, but when my kids were toddlers, they didn't even think about drinking until it was that brain turning on that thirst center, just going, making them crazy because they were starting to get dehydrated. So make sure that you're constantly after them, you know, offering that sippy cup and making sure that they are actually stopping to drink. So what is the first preference? Should we be thinking about hydrolytes at any point in the day if it's a really hot day? Yeah, absolutely. It certainly is not going to do your child any harm at all. If anything, it does them good. But, you know, water, of course, is your first port of call. If they are ever sick with diarrhea or vomiting and we've got that kind of dehydration, then the hydrolyte, gastrolyte, pedialyte, all those electrolyte solutions – they are the fluid of choice, but certainly on a hot day, start with some water. If you've got some hydrolyte ice blocks in the fridge or something like that, go for it. And we're not talking about babies in this case. We're talking about small children. Yeah, that's right. Obviously, don't exactly. give your, try to stick a hydrolyte ice block in your baby's mouth. No, please don't. No, no don't do that. Um, so... We Like we were just talking then about how to um, manage your environment, how to prevent your child getting to a point where they're dehydrated, which you explained at the very top what that might look like. Um, if you are worried, if you notice your child hasn't been weighing, if you um, 
see that they're floppy, Mm -hmm. lethargic, Mm -hmm. they're not their usual selves. Is that a point where you would take them to emergency or do you take them to the GP or is it enough that you go, right, we're going to start with the fluids, I'm going to breastfeed you more, I'm going to give you an electrolyte? What's the situation there? So it's really interesting. So heat exhaustion can often lead on to heat stroke and heat stroke is absolutely life-threatening. This is a medical emergency. And the signs and symptoms that you're looking for there is you may notice your child has really red, dry and hot skin, that they are breathing really rapidly, that they are floppy, that they may become unconscious, they may have a seizure. This is triple zero. You are calling for an ambulance immediately and following their instructions on the phone and making sure that you know CPR. And certainly this is something I've seen from kids who've been uh, locked in cars, for example, on really, well, even on not so hot days because it can get significantly higher temperature in the car. So that's certainly things that it is emergency. Ambulance, follow their instructions, get ready to do CPR. With heat exhaustion, the signs and symptoms can be a little bit more subtle, but they still need emergency medical care. So you might notice that they're starting to look unwell. They can be quite more irritable than usual. They might have really pale and clammy skin, which is different to that red, dry and hot skin of a heat stroke. Um, Certainly they'll be having less nappies if they are sleepy and floppy and they're not wanting to feed, then please emergency medical help. And I know we've spoken about this before because you and I have been speaking for years, but I do think it's worth mentioning now. As an emergency paediatric nurse, were you ever cross at a parent for calling in or coming in when it wasn't absolutely necessary, but they were worried? Never. Absolutely not. Just had to get you to say that because I I do remember a time when my daughter was six months and she went all floppy and I freaked out and we we didn't call the ambulance but we went to emergency and the whole way, even though I was terrified about her, the whole way I was thinking, oh, they're just going to be so cranky with me because there's nothing wrong and I'm just... I'm just, you know, overreacting. Yeah, no, not at all. Because that's one of the things. I Doctors who I've worked with all get taught in medical school and in, you know, when I've attended uni for nursing as well. Every time we've done paediatric subjects, that big red flag worried parents because parents know their child best. And if you feel like you are not being listened to as a parent, you need to ask to speak to another one of the clinicians because you know your child better than anyone. The only times where I have gotten cranky about somebody coming in is when they have blatantly said, oh, we just, you know, I know I don't need to be here, but I thought I'd get seen quicker. <laughs> no. That, yeah, don't do that. No, don't do that. That's not cool. <laughs> That's not cool. Definitely not cool. When you are genuinely worried about your child, please get them seen. Just get there. Um, and look, before I let you go, just to go a slight step back, I wanted to ask you, with heat stroke, I always thought heat stroke came from exposure to the sun, but it's not, is, it, is that the case or is it it can just be overheating in a so, inside space. Yeah, with heat stroke, it's external heat. So I like to think that um, the two different types of heat illnesses, so you've got fever, which is just not the illness, it's a sign or symptom, and that is regulated by the brain. So that's your internal body systems rising your temperature. Whereas heat stroke, heat exhaustion, that is from 
external sources. So okay. from being hot, that something is external, is making your body temperature rise. Okay. Well, thank you, Sarah. You've equipped us all for a hot day. Thanks for coming in. My pleasure. That's Sarah Hunstead. She's the director of CPR Kids. And CPR Kids do first aid courses for parents, including teaching you CPR, which Sarah mentioned in that interview there. We'll pop a link up to their website. Head to babyology.com.au forward slash feed play love. Feed Play Love is a babyology podcast produced by Elise Cooper and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. You can get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.